So this is the cutaway. It's uh, 18,000 square metres of space. Right. 6,500 metres of floor space. And so all the sandstone from... Oh, it's 93% of the sandstone from underneath here. That's you see around the park. And there's two levels of car park, 300 car park spaces, and another level of uh, storage water tank basement system. Right. It recycles water from... That's caught from the 90,000 litre rain tanks of each of those towers. Oh, yes. It's pumped up here and... Waters the plant. Fantastic. Hi, and welcome back to part two of our Barangaroo Delivery Podcast. Great to have you with us. And in this uh, part two, uh, we're going to join Tim. He continues with our tour of the Barangaroo Reserve. And um, he's really got some interesting things to tell us about the plantings, the kind of things that we can expect here. And uh, we've got some great photos, some fabulous photos from Infrastructure New South Wales. There's a few of my pics as well, which I'll talk about uh, briefly at the end of this as well. So great to have you with us and let's jump straight into it. You say, Colin. <laughs> you know, for me, you're in the future. Like, uh, like a man on the moon or in a tin pan. Welcome to the Eat Radio podcast. And here's your host, Colin Pope from Eat Magazine. in the building a process of this plant of this park and when it was completed and opened there was a big you know fanfare Paul Keating was one of the main drivers for opening this park former Prime Minister yeah there was a lot of talk about Barangaroo but um, almost immediately people just started coming here and just enjoying the place and just loving the place as if it was like I said as if it was always been here and um, even being protective of the place uh, as far as anyone seen to be doing you know, just scratching into the sandstone yeah. or something. They seem to be pulled up by walk passerby. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. we don't mind. So there's a bit and, of a local... Yeah. A local sense of, of our space. And, and what's that yellow flowered plant there? There's a lot of that around. Yeah, that's the that's the guinea, type of guinea oh, yeah. flower. We also have another... That lamandra was actually a type of mat rush. Oh, yeah. Also have a club rush. Oh, yeah. And the, the tips of that club rush, it's good for warts. Oh, okay. Good for getting rid of warts. Right, okay. yeah. So, yeah, like I said, 75,000, just over, yep. plants, trees and shrubs. There's a, um, a tree, one of my, my favourite trees, called the Casarina. I'll show you a little bit later on. Yep. It's very important to the, the Aboriginal people of this area. We call it the mother tree or the safety tree. Oh, okay. Actually, there's one just here, actually. Oh, yes. And the reason why we call this the mother tree or the safety tree is because normally, it's a bit different in this instance because you've got right along the shoreline, there's coastal casserinas and inland casserinas. Normally they grow in groups and due to their foliage um, that lands uh, at the base of the tree normally, it's hard for anything to grow around it. Yeah. Um, as opposed to this one because you've got the foliage just catching the wind, yep. you rarely get the foliage underneath this, this particular casserina. But normally what happens is they grow in groups, so they create this space in the bush, yep. so you can see a group of casserinas from a fair distance away. Right. And the reason why that was important was because Aboriginal boys and girls from a young age were taught if you if you've wander off in the clan, yeah. just go and sit underneath a group of casserinas so people can see where you are. Okay. But also, due to the foliage of the needle-like stem, the uh, leaf stems, yeah. 
it's uh it's hard for the underbelly of the snake to get traction right on that foliage yeah. so they won't go anywhere near the casserinas oh fantastic so it acts as a safety tree as well right so the kids could be safely under there if they got lost yep. and we also knew that the snakes weren't going to try and get them that's right yeah wow yeah, yeah. so this definitely is the mother of all trees then really. that's right yeah wow and um look to your left over there we've got a nice little miniature stonehenge looking significant of? Uh, Peter Walker is the American designer, probably the one of the most foremost designers in the world. Yep. Um, he designed this park yep. and uh, the Gadigal of which we're, you know, the clan that we're, uh, this country we're on, yep. they're known as saltwater sandstone people. Ah. So it's a little nod to the Gadigal right. from Peter Walker, seven blocks of sandstone, right. just upright. So he wanted, he wanted the builders to leave that there for him, well not for him. But so we got what we're walking on now. It's called the Wollagool Walk. Ah, yes. And it's called the Wollagool Walk. Wollagool is a local Sydney Aboriginal language word meaning yellow striped kingfish, ah, which is one of the best tasting fish in all the world if you ever get a chance. <laughs> ah, okay. Well, uh, yeah. I have to keep an eye out for that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we've got lots of names. Stay true to using Aboriginal names, using local Aboriginal names for places like uh, we had the Barrawang Steps, which are around the front. Ah, yes. And that's uh, the Aboriginal name for a local cycad plant oh, that was used okay. here for, for its starch. Yep. And um, it was actually a poisonous plant, but the, the local people knew how to extract that poison, which could have taken up to a couple of days of soaking it in the salt water right. before actually eating it. Okay. But it was a special plant. And uh, we have uh, Giri Giri Steps, yep. which is also towards the front of the... Uh, near Nawi Cove. Oh, yeah. And Girigira is the Aboriginal local word for seagull. Ah, the good old, okay. the, the good old seagull. Yep. Well, when you're down here, you get more of a sense of uh, the plants, trees, and shrubs. Nice. But just before we go any further, yeah. if we look back, yeah, so we got Goat Island over here. Oh yes, right. And that's where Benalong's from. Ah. And that's the that's where the Wongal clan start. Right. But straight over directly across from us is Camaragal, and that's Barangaroo. Right. Now, Brangaroo was a strong initiated fisherwoman of yes. the Camaragal clan. Okay. And, but she was only known to the uh, first fleeters, to Arthur Philip, for three years because they arrived here in 1788 oh. and unfortunately she passed away in 1791 oh. due to smallpox oh, after giving birth to her and Benelong's first child, Dilbong. Right. And Benelong went to uh, England uh, in, 90, in 1792 right. for two years. And came back a bit of a broken man, but um, but yeah, he was uh, with ben Benelong from 1789 to 1791, unfortunately, yeah, to, from her dying. Uh, they said she was in her 40s, but she'd made a huge impact because I think a few people have heard about Benelong before, yeah. but not many people had heard about Brangaroo. And um, I like to give two examples of, of showing the strength of Brangaroo's character, and one of them was... Uh, she was invited to government house uh, to have dinner yeah. with the governor and uh, and a, with a couple of others, and they were handing out you know colonial clothes to wear. You know, didn't want people sitting around naked on the dinner table. Okay. Um, she was given a petticoat to wear, and um, she wore it, and then she sort of didn't want to wear it, so she threw it off and sat at the dining table naked, just with a bone through her nose, and uh, showing her strength of character. And the second example I like to give is uh, a, a convict had stolen her fishing gear. She was invited to a, a, a lashing, a whipping of this convict that was caught by his officers. 
and um, she found it to be quite disturbing and yeah. um, grabbed the whip off the officer yeah. and told him not to, like saying to him, you know, yeah. don't do that anymore, yeah, even though right. she knew that the guy had stolen from her. Sure. So uh, just gives you an insight, a little bit of an insight of how strong she was. Yeah. So she would have been a very highly respected woman of this area, her and, and Barangaroo, yep. her and Benelong. So, yep. uh, yeah, just like to give you a bit of information around that. Great. And like I was saying um, earlier that... Um, we have Mary and Jess who work with me here at the park yep. and because they're uh, Aboriginal women they can go into the story of Barangaroo a lot more than we can just out of respect sure. me and Clarence and and the male uh, tour guys we sort of leave you know Barangaroo's more detailed story to the girls because right. I think that's yep. just yeah. proper to do it like that but I do like to talk about Barangaroo in that sense just giving those two examples yeah. and so the tours you do tours most, not every day, but most days. Uh, Monday through to Saturday, right, 10.30 to 12. Yep, okay. We used to do them on Sunday, but we, we still get the odd, the odd tour on a Sunday, but mostly during that time. And uh, we've had lots of schools, we've had lots of corporates, we've had uh, a few VIPs, we've had all types, mainly um, locals. Sure, okay. But uh, we cater for everyone, we, we, we are part of the school curriculum. So we cover the curriculum from K all the way up to 12, year 12. Right, great. So kindergarten to year 12, yeah. Yep. Uh, that includes a geography class, which um, uh, Clarence and I run, right. which is more to do with the sustainability and the urban renewal of the commercial side of things. Ah, yes. Yep. But also connecting that with the sustainability of Aboriginal culture. Right. Because, you know, sustainability is one of the main aspects of you know, indigenous culture, I'm sure, around the, around the world. Yeah. And they tried to emulate that through the construction of uh, Barangaroo South and Central. And as you can see, as you're walking past, you can see the, you know, there's a couple of beaches we have along the, along the shoreline. People, this is where people come and, uh, you know, have a little picnic. Yep. We've had, they have sculptures by the sea at Bondi. We've had sculptures at Barangaroo. Oh, we had really? some sculptures here. Yep. And uh, we had a beautiful one here, which the, CEO actually wanted to keep, but he couldn't. <laughs> okay, yeah. But uh, actually, uh, there's another plant I just want to show you. Right, sure. As we go, we go up along here. Yep. So there's, I was mentioning the sandstone. Seven percent of the sandstone is from Gosford. Right. And this is that sandstone. Ah, oh, yes. Okay. You can tell it's a bit different to the. Uh, yeah. This is above ground, and that's more marine grade. Yeah. That looks like um, that dessert. Like oh yeah. I know what you're talking about. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I'm a bit of a sweet tooth. Now, just over here, see these beautiful... Ah, uh, oh, these little berries. They turn into big berries. Oh, they'll, really? they'll blow up. Around about the size of my pinky fingernail. Yeah. This is called the Dianella. Oh, yes, right. Okay. And the Dianella, also good for weaving. Yeah. And um, when this is in bloom, yeah. when them berries are full, you can eat them. Tastes a bit like, you know, mixed... Mixed uh, blueberry, passion fruit, mulberry. Right. Wow. And there's seeds that you can bite through the seeds. And uh, when they're in bloom, it's flathead and flounder, a good time to eat. Right. Flathead and the flounder. So they're just coming into bloom now. Yep, so they are. flathead and flounder season two. Very soon, yep. Yep, yep that's right. Those are the burrowing steps I was talking about, oh, yes. about local cycad. Yep. And um, this path here is mainly for... It's a, they're both shared paths, but this is mainly for the bikes and the 
scooters and whatnot, ah, yes. joggers. Yep, okay. But the joggers use that path because it's soft. Right, yeah. As you can see. Yeah. So again, yeah, looking up towards the top, all the plants. So see those uh, concrete divisions? Yes. Five or eight years time you won't be able to see them. Right, okay. It'll be all, it'll be all you know, canopized by the size of the trees. Right. And uh, you know, with your gums, they're going to be huge. So the place, I, I, I guess it's becoming more and more sheltered every year, obviously, as these trees around the edges grow in as well, and so you get a real sort of sense of being almost inside here in a few years now. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Oh, it's going to be, it's going to be, I, I can't wait to see it. I can't wait to see what it's going to be like. And you can see we've got these ferns. Prehistoric. And those other banks here, see the swamp banks here? Well, see the how bushy that um, right. those flowers are. Yep. When um, Brangaroo or any of the, the the women did the fishing in the Nawis in the canoes. Ah, yep. And they could use those to keep the fire fire lit. Right. Or you can walk around with fire. Ah, yes. At and night. they were like. It's like Kindle almost, fire. yeah, you carry yeah. fire. And you could also put it in the middle of the canoe, in the wow. Nawi. Okay. You, uh, did a lot of fishing at night, because fishing at night's more uh, prosperous. Right. In some, some parts of the... And I see the little jetty there. Are many people fishing in here? Or? No, there's no fishing around here. Right, yep. Um, this part of the harbour is still, because uh, it was so industrialised, it's yeah. still not as clean as the other side of the sure. harbour. Yep. You can uh, water taxi can come in here or your own boat. Yep. No ferries; it's too shallow. Okay. Yeah. When construction finishes down there, there'll be a ferry wharf at oh. the front of the uh, James Packers Crown Resort. Right. Which has not yet been built. They just had DA approval, so that'll be starting soon. Okay. Brilliant. Yeah. So, uh, got in. Yeah. So yeah, Nawi Cove, and. Uh, like I was saying, they were uh, digging this place up and found a lot of, uh, digging the cave up and found a lot of artifacts. Right. And they found something else which I would like to show you yeah. before we go into the cutaway. It's a bit of a colonial history. They also uh, dug up the first boat launching slipway in Australian history. Really? Yeah. Well, as far as colonial history goes. Yeah. And um, they've left the sandstone right. out oh. so you can actually see 1827 concrete. Right, okay. And that's where the boat launching is happening. That they dug that. It's called Munn's Slipway. Right. Mm. Okay. So I just thought I'd show you that. Yep. Something they dug up. Brilliant. Now we can go in and see that uh, open space that okay. I was talking about. So that's, we've just come down from the top of that, haven't we? You've just yeah. Been up, there, right. been up the top, now we're going to go underneath. Yeah, so. <laughs> so now we're heading into the cutaway. And you'll see as we go in here why they call it the cutaway. It's literally cutting away. They've cut away all that beautiful sandstone. Wow, okay, so this is like a great Aladdin's cave in a way, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, in a way. And it's, uh, you know, instead of just landfilling the whole 
headland, which would have been not only you know a waste of space but also much uh, more expensive to yep. do. They created that road bridge technology. Wow. And there's a 200 year, million year old sandstone feature wall that we have. So all that was sandstone that they cut, a, cut away in the 1800s yep. to build up the circular can, the rocks. So this is the cutaway. It's uh, 18,000 square metres of space, 6,500 metres of floor space. And so all the sandstone from, oh, it's 93% of the sandstone from underneath here. That's you see around the park. And there's two levels of car park, 300 car park spaces, and another level of uh, storage water tank basement system. Right. It recycles water from, that's caught from the 90,000 litre rain tanks of each of those towers. Oh, yes. It's pumped up here and waters the plant. Absolutely amazing. And you've had performances here and all sorts of things. Performance, uh, Sydney Festival's been here, uh, art exhibitions. Uh, we've had, we had our birthday celebration, so we had the edible uh, garden in here and uh, other things. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, so we've had a lot of events here. Especially, uh, we've had the CEO cook-off where they, house, where they fed, I was going to say housed, but they fed a thousand homeless people. They probably should have housed them, but... Right, <laughs> yeah, okay. Things like that, so yeah. that's what this is used for. You've got your security yep. security room there, and you've got, like I said, it's open 24 hours a day, 24 hours CCTV and yep. security. Brilliant. And uh, so, yeah, that's, that's pretty much Barangaroo. Good. <laughs> and so just wrapping up for anybody uh, that's planning to come, um, I, I think you need a bit of time here, don't you? How long, did t how long do you recommend people would need? To I mean, you can uh, people come here and spend a couple of hours. Yeah, if you want to come do, you can do our tour, which goes for an hour and a half. Okay, yep. you get all the information, sure. and then after that, you can hang. A lot of people seem to hang around and enjoy the place once they've known. Yeah, what this place actually really means. It's not just a park. Yeah, it's a yeah. park that emulates Aboriginal history of the area, yeah. colonial history of the area. Named after a, a very strong, famous Aboriginal woman, Barangaroo. And also that story connects to Benelong, which people already know of. Right, yeah. So there's, it's just the, and then once they get a sense of that, then, uh, you know, that everyone gets connected to the park. Yeah, in fantastic. A way. Especially, the, particularly the locals. Yeah. And even Aboriginal people from all over. Yep. And we've had Indigenous peoples from... Uh, from uh, other parts of the world. Uh, Tamaiti from a uh, great activist from New Zealand came over right, and visited us. <laughs> and if people want more details or they want to book a tour, where do they go to to do that? Uh, do that on the website? Yeah, you can do, uh, go on our uh, brangaroo.sydney website and you can scroll down to uh, guided tours okay. and, and it goes takes you through Eventbrite. Yep. Okay, yeah. But if you've got schools, you can ring Brangaroo and right. and you get the school bookings through that way or corporates. Yep, yeah, yeah, so brilliant. yeah. All right, well, look, thank you very much for your time. It's been an amazing trip for me. It's, uh, yep. I, I feel a little sadness having to leave, but I'm coming, yeah, yeah. Back. I'm coming back fortunately as well. So. Oh, good. So um, look, I just want to say thank you so much for your time, Tim. It's been really brilliant that you've been able to share this story with us. Oh, thank you very much, and um, I'm, it's also a privilege for me to share this story with other people. So All yeah. Right. All right. Cheers. Thanks for joining us. It's, it's been a brilliant couple of days in terms of the time I was able to spend there. A special thanks to Tim, who was absolutely amazing. 
Look, I just thought briefly as well, uh, when I came back the second time, I came by, uh, I took the ferry. And so I guess, look, in part one, I think we left some instructions to how to get there by ferry, but you basically go from Circular Quay. I think it's wharf number five. You have to check. They change these around. Uh, you go from um, Bangaroo, sort of more or less, I think, via Darling Harbour, uh, on the Darling Harbour route to uh, Milson's Point, McManon's Point, Balmain East, and then Barangaroo. And um, fantastic trips all add the the link there as well. And look, I just wanted to, I guess, picking up on some of uh, Tim's language, I want to give a nod um, to the Senior Communications Officer with Projects New South Wales um, under Infrastructure New South Wales has been fantastic uh, for us to work with. It's been a real pleasure, and uh, we've got some amazing, amazing photos as well. So please do have a look at those photos, uh, which we uh, got courtesy of Infrastructure New South Wales. They're doing some incredible stuff at the moment, so it's great they took the time to uh, look after us. And uh, look, I managed to get a few of my photos in there. Uh, I often talk about it, and it almost often doesn't happen, but... Um, just have a look at those. I'll put the link in. And uh, if you don't look at those for some reason, I'll just give you a bit of a description. So the first one I called uh, Jaktare, which is which is these fantastic rocks sort of jutting up sharply against the greenery of the gum trees. And then the next one I called Nico, which was um, where you can see these rock sculptures, you know, already being sort of softened over time and shaped by the sea and, and quite incredible colours. Um, the next one I called Zelda, which was these incredible, I guess these sort of sharp afternoon colours in the sun from the shrubs and uh, against the rock and, and the reds. And um, yeah, anyway, um, the next one was called Nectarius, which was a big piece of block, a uh, block of sandstone. It looked like halva. You know, that brilliant dessert with all these sort of lines sweeping through it and with these incredible sort of brown colours. And then um, Salmon Flush, which was all these kind of pinks, yellows and purples coming down to the mossy greens into the ocean, uh, into the sea rather. And uh, then the other one was called Dragon Ball Cannon, which was this iron wall and the colours sort of grab your eye against the sort of blue of the ash fountain. And then the last one, which I really really enjoyed taking is called Maximus, which is this kind of Warhol-infused sort of halo looking out across the international towers, um, I guess really of, you know, Sydney at its best in midday, these sort of vibrant technicolours, you know, re really kind of against the blue of the sky. So anyway... Um, Great, great to have got some photos in there. And just wanted to say thank you very much to everybody from everywhere uh, for leaving us reviews on iTunes, Stitcher and Spreaker. We really appreciate it. Um, please do leave us some comments there. You can now leave a comment on the website as well if you want to have a look at those photos. Tell us what you think. And uh, just before I go, I wanted to give a little bit of a nod to using Tim's language, I guess, give a nod to Paul Keating, who was fourth Prime Minister of Australia, one of the main drivers really for opening uh, this park. And, of course, he's well known for his initiatives. Way back in 1992, um, he drove the establishment of the Council of uh, for Aboriginal Reconciliation. Uh, and also at that same time, sort of 92 to 94, he focused on strengthening Australia's ties 
and links with its neighbours throughout and across Asia um, with the ACN, the Association of Southeast Asian Nations. Um, so anyway, of course, all of that was pulled together um, in terms of the park with Peter Walker, um, who he didn't speak too much to in terms of the text, but um, his collaboration with the Australian um, practice of Johnson, Pilton, Walker. They won the World Architecture News Waterfront Award um, for Barangaroo. And so I just thought it was interesting to let you know that. So anyway, you can get more details at www.barangaroo.com. And uh, we'll catch you next time in the next episode. Wherever you are in the world, I'd like to say g'day, good evening, and good night. Cheers.